Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Joey. Today we're going to dive deep into a subject like we do on every episode of Affable Chat. Today's subject is a movie um, and my guest today brought this movie with her. Her name is Jenny. She's my girlfriend. Say hi, Jenny. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I'm trying to do my best impression of you. Oh, God. Your affable chat days. I'm an avid I know listener. that's the thing that I say, and now I can't stop saying it. It so. is, but I considered doing that, or uh, maybe you could, you know, overlay this with um, Jennifer Lopez, Jenny from the Block. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe I like will. Like over top, just like in the background. <laughs> just a little little hint of it. Yeah, just in. to like ease me in, like yeah. I'm someone much cooler right, than right. I am. We'll put some applause in the background. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. These are all great draft ideas. Jenny's movie that she brought today is called Mr. Holland's Opus. It's a family education drama with musical elements directed by Stephen Her Herrick. The cast includes Hooper, the Easter Bunny, and Jerry Lundegaard. Uh, I already have questions. Okay. <laughs> the Easter Bunny? Yeah, the Who? Easter Bunny. What are you, you know, talking about? I'm talking about Jay Thomas, who played the Easter Bunny in... Um, Santa Claus 2 and the Santa Claus 3. Oh. He was uh, the, the gym teacher. and Mr. I Holland's see. Office. Okay. Somehow I missed that little <laughs> you know, some e of Easter jokes, egg, if you will, some of these jokes on the are, Easter bunny. Uh, hey, <laughs> some of these jokes are just for me. Yeah. Um, how did you watch this movie, Jenny? Um, I rented it on Amazon Prime. I watched it on YouTube, and I also had to pay for it. So. Yeah, I did too. It was Great like times. $3, I think, to rent it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mr. Holland's opus is uh, can be summed up pretty succinctly, and I've done that here. A tortured artist lies to his wife and yells at his deaf son. I feel like that's a fair assessment of this movie. <laughs> a way of words. <laughs> really? That's how you sum it up in one sentence? I, I mean, it's accurate, but you really know how to put a great spin to things. Oh, I do. Story of our Hopefully, lives. as you listen on, you'll hear what I really think about this movie. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to start with our pros and cons. Um, first with our pros, I find, thought this movie was heartwarming throughout. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss really carries this movie well. Um, there's movements of human weakness that really elevate the story. Uh, and there's really amazing writing that I was really impressed with and a really tear jerking ending <laughs> that really got to me. What about you? What did you like about this movie, Jenny? Oh, well, I too, of course, cried the entire time. Um, I'm pretty emotional person, and of course, this spoke right to my heart, as I'll get into later. But um, I also really enjoyed the flawed nature of Mr. Holland, and of course, all of his students. But I, I found that to be um, really easier to love him, as you saw him in all different aspects I of agree his with that, character. Yeah. Um, and, and seeing that transition at, throughout the movie, I thought they did a great job of that. Um, I also really enjoyed the relationship that I was able to see between the arts and sports. I feel like mm. there's not many opportunities that we normally see in cinema where you kind of, they, those two areas are usually against each other. And I appreciated seeing them together. Love more of that. Yeah. And then, um, just the general concept of life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. I thought that pretty much summarizes the movie for me. Not in your tortured artist <laughs> lies to his wife. <laughs> but it's all about perspective and it takes all kinds, right? That's right. <laughs> but I really liked it a lot. Of course, that's why I picked it. Um, okay, let's move on to our cons. What are some things that you didn't like about the movie, Jenny? Um, okay, so my biggest problem with the movie, I, I love it with all my heart, but 
I hate the part with Rowena. Really? And yeah. I, I I think it's, I found it to be creepy. It's just a little cringy. Yeah. Like, like sort of, I would have understood if it was a little bit shorter. I just felt like it kind of hung on for too long. It does linger a yeah. little bit. And, I, and then she like just disappears into the dust. And I was yeah. like, so did Rowena, <laughs> like was, you know, like if, if, if Rowena had been back at the end, like with like singing for a part of the, you right. know. You know, I don't want to spoil the ending, but if she'd been at the end with everybody else, but she just sort of, I guess she goes off to New York and we don't <laughs> see her again. And I just was like, oh, it's creepy and cringy. Um, just as a general statement, we usually just kind of move forward. Spoilers be damned on oh. this podcast. So don't worry about. Okay. Well, y'all should have watched the movie first. That's right. But we'll, this is your, consider this your warning. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your warning. Um, what else? What about this, else about this movie? Were you. Um, okay, this is just really nitpicky, but I sort of wish that they'd shown more of the healing time, um, repairing Mr. Holland's relationship with Cole. Yeah. Um, I felt like uh, he he had that breakthrough moment where he kind of introduced music to him, and then there's that beautiful moment, of course, where they're at the concert and he's performing for all of the deaf um, people, but, but I, I didn't see, like, you know, and Cole's sort of more stoic, and I, I get that that's how teenage boys react to things. But you don't, <laughs> yeah, you don't really see how they repair as much through conversation or anything. I would have enjoyed like a nice, heartfelt conversation between the two. I suppose ah, that's kind of picky, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I have one more too. I, I, I sort of thought that I have this love-hate relationship with the way that they break up the scenes with all of these little snippets of history. Right. Um, I, I think they were trying to almost give a little bit of side commentary of the struggles of that time period. And, and I guess that's how they sort of merged it together with John Lennon and, you know, all the current events that were happening. But I found it a little distracting sometimes, like a little bit like choppy, I yeah. guess, how they how they cut it up. What did you think about I, that? I, I like that just because it was different. Okay. Um, you know, they easily could have just said, "Oh, this is ten years later, right?" Mm -hmm. And then he's in different makeup. That's or, true. But they didn't do that. They instead, like, you're watching it. And you're like, "Oh, now it's this decade, and here's all the things that are happening, right?" Mm -hmm. And this is how it's influenced music, or how totally. it's influenced the kids, and all that stuff. Right. So, and, and you see, like, life changes. Like the students change throughout that too. Yeah. It yeah. was. It was kind of an experimental choice. I I agree. It's a little choppy and it's a little weird because it doesn't really tie in directly to what they're doing. Yeah. Some of the things were more random. I guess like some of it related better than others. Right. But I thought it was an interesting way to move time forward. Yeah. Me too. As far as things I didn't like, it's really hard to say. When I was going through this movie, I was trying to pick out things that mm -hmm. I didn't like because I don't. I wouldn't say this movie is perfect, but it was really hard for me to find anything. Um, to, re to really get so I really can kind of agreeing with you with the nitpicks um, the I feel like my biggest critique is the ending doesn't stand on its own mm -hmm. um, it brings the audience's shared experience um, to to bring you into that emotional climax mm -hmm. um, it's, should he uh, and so like are you feeling this way because Mr. Holland was such a great teacher and you saw him grow and change throughout the movie partially but mm -hmm. also you're like oh i had a teacher like this and i would love for this to be something that happened for him mm -hmm. right yeah. and so it's a it's a easily shared experience i think the movie does a, actually a pretty good job with this but that emotional weight you feel at the end is not fully the move to the movie's credit that's true 
Um, the other thing is, this is again a pretty minor nitpick, but should he have finished the symphony at the end? Like, should he have gotten a chance to play the, the symphony at the end? Well, I thought the point was that he was like, he had chosen a different path right. for him to actually end up like there. Obviously, there's a lot of good callbacks there with all the former students who are playing in the of band. Of course. Right? So that's a, that's a cool moment. But in the in a way, he kind of gets both because yeah. he gets to You're complete like, his symphony his that he's been working time on. time in the limelight. But right. if you think about it, he's he's in the school gym doing yeah. this or, right. or the auditorium or whatever. But no, I, I see your point there. I think it's... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like I think they were. That was, that was the point where I ran out of tears. Like, <laughs> I, as soon as he entered, I the, as soon as he entered the auditorium, I started crying really oh. hard. And then every time someone else would come in, I would just start crying harder. And then when they announced, like had the rest of the people on the stage and they revealed the behind the curtain, I was like, I was going through the like the physical thing of crying yeah. but there's no tears coming out because i had run out to anyone who's listening um we normally watch movies together but of course like we didn't we didn't watch it together so that we could um discuss you know, it better yeah kind of have like a more candid conversation in person but i i love that about joey that he cries at movies i just enjoy that <laughs> there was a lot of other moments that he almost got such me, a cry baby that was the one that that last few like five minutes yeah so i don't know like i don't know maybe i'm just was really vulnerable at that point i think that's part of it but i don't know if that ending was there just too much there were they really like throwing everything at it's the wall special you know? in my opinion because it's the people that he loves and has touched that are doing the work that right. he's if it was a symphony in chicago then then i think it would be different i think you're right i think it's a good point it's all those voices together one other thing that i want to touch on is i feel like that ending is more a wish fulfillment for the audience than it is for teachers in general mm -hmm. most teachers especially people that have worked in for such a long time like mr holland did are kind of aware of the um lives that they touched and like the impact they've had on other people mm -hmm. maybe it's not as explicit in there but i think i i don't know because i'm not i've not been a teacher for 30 years but i would say they have an idea of what was going on, like uh, the kind of idea of what Mr. Hall was feeling like at that moment, right? But to me, it seems like the this is a chance for the audience to be like, oh, I, uh, I watched this movie and felt this way about a teacher that I know, um, but I didn't actually put on a, you know, <laughs> grand celebration of his life i just sent him an amazon gift card <laughs> right, and said you know? thanks for putting up with me but because i watched this movie and was so drawn into it i feel like i've done my credit toward that teacher that meant so much to me That's you know what i mean true. it's yeah. like a it's like oh wouldn't this be great if we could do this for all the teachers we love you know well it, it could inspire that though it's yeah. true that's very true to, to appreciate the teachers a little more yeah, I don't know if that's totally fair or not. It was, again, it was hard for me to come up with things I didn't like about Stranger. There's a lot that I really liked. So I'm glad you liked it. Okay, so let's go on to our overall section. Okay. And um, to kind of prompt Jenny, uh, I wrote her some questions to answer. So I'm going to go with through through those now. So first of all, you could I wanted you to be on the podcast, and I asked you to pick a movie, mm -hmm. um, and you picked this one. So why this one over any other movie you could have picked? Well, naturally, I picked it because I too was a trumpet player like all of these hooligans <laughs> we saw in the movie and uh, I had spit funneled on me almost oh, yeah? every day. 
That's a real thing. <laughs> through grade six or twelve. Yes, it's a real thing. I played trumpet um, from sixth grade all the way through twelfth, and yeah. When whenever that poor girl kept getting spit on, I oh, was shoes. cracking up because it was like, gosh, I had those knuckleheads that sat next to me. I was the only girl in my section. But anyway, <laughs> no, that's that's not really why. Uh, I just really, really connect with all of the themes in this movie, but I picked it mostly because I think that the the theme of something not coming naturally to you and having to work harder for it making it more rewarding uh when you meet a goal it just connects with me so much and yeah i just feel like my heart is tied to this movie i i'm a dance teacher so didn't teach music but you know as a teacher of the arts there's so many things about this that just pull right at my heartstrings so it's very uh, i can definitely see that <laughs> and yeah it is such an inspiring part of this and something that i want to touch on a, a bit more mm -hmm. is how how flawed Mr. Holland is and how hard, how much he fails throughout mm -hmm. the movie. Oh, yeah. And that, but he sticks with it anyway. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's such a powerful message, I think, to anyone, but especially for someone who struggles to do things in mm -hmm. general. So, yeah. And all the kids that he helped, you know, or, yeah. uh, especially the part where he's um, with that, with the student um, who needs to play the, the, oh, drums. the drums. Yes. And then, well, and then when he, you know, What's tragically, Lewis? yeah, Lewis. But when he um, passes, he takes that one student, that one guy who's being a real jerk in class, and he takes him there, which I thought was pretty bold. Yeah. Like, show up here, and it's a funeral service. Gosh, that was so heavy. But but he said to he says to him, you know, it was worth it more to him. He had to put in all this work. And you just see people in life who are naturally great at things, and that's, that's great, but that's not a good story. Right. You'd much rather see somebody be successful from working hard and from from starting from the bottom and coming to where they are. That's it's yeah. Because eventually you have to learn how to do that. You know exactly. And like if you're kind of like if you're ahead of the class, if you're like the smart kid in class, which mm -hmm. is something that I identified to with, <laughs> oh. I could, I could just skate by for such a long time, mm -hmm. you know, without ever having to put in the extra work. And so when it came time for me to actually work hard, it was so much harder for me to learn that. Right, but but also you probably felt more accomplished from it, which I think is what definitely. I, I think that's what the point of it is. You know, you if if you're just winning all the time and everything's simple to you, that's not what life's joys are about. You know, it, the joy doesn't come from just being naturally good at something. So I I just love that, and that's been a theme in my own life too. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll get more into your life that. with this next question, which is okay. What about this movie speaks to you personally? Um. So much, <laughs> but uh, as a dance teacher, uh, I teach in a small town, um, very small town, <laughs> like a big fish in a small pond. Um, uh, the concept of teaching kids how to be productive members of society through art is what I basically built my whole life on. So meaning that we get all these kids in there and they can be anywhere from, you know, kind of rough at dance or just beginning to very, very good and talented and we go to competition and they'll be standing up there in the top numbers, but most of them are not going to go to Broadway and um, the right. odds of you having a hundred kids to go to Broadway is slim, but that's not kind of what the point is. So when I see this movie and they're 
you know, he's helping them to all become productive members of society. It's, that's, that speaks to me because you use the art to teach them valuable skills that they'll go on to do. You have no idea what these kids go on to do. But Yeah, and other, like, there's just fundamental values, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a conduit to that. It's a way to reach them. Totally. Um, and just like you said, like, just because not everyone who does music in high school becomes a, a professional musician doesn't mean you don't learn really important lessons exactly doing that. so music and dance are the tools but right. that they're 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 just tools that help you to become a better person so that's kind of what i base my whole that's that's what i live to do so and it's the most rewarding thing in the world so when i saw that little red-headed clarinet player miss <laughs> miss lang he keeps calling her <laughs> i mean it just i was just in tears because i i can't I, I see all those kids all the time who struggle with that and the self-esteem at that age is so hard. And right. I remember feeling that way too. You just want to be good at something in life. And all it takes is one person to pull you to the side and say, hey, like, let's work on this. And and, and that something blossoms like within you. You feel, oh, somebody cares about me. Somebody believes that I can do this. And no, she's not in the Philharmonic right. <laughs> playing clarinet, but, you know, she came up there at the end and she was the governor, right? She, I think the mayor or the governor, mayor, yeah. governor of the, yeah, yeah, of the whole state. I, I mean, she's, she was so beautiful up there, like this grown woman who went on to do these amazing things. And the fact that he was a part of that just really speaks to me. And, and he gave her not the notes, but the confidence and the strength. So yeah, because he was getting to something more fundamental about mm-hmm. music than just playing the notes, right? Yeah, that's what he says about he says, um, uh, it's not a, I could teach you the notes. That's not the point, though. Yeah, it's something else altogether. Uh, yeah, that lesson translates beyond just playing music. Yeah, totally. It was so beautiful too how he said like, I just love that he started with what is the thing that you like the most about yourself? Right. Like if somebody said that to you, I mean, that's probably hard for you to come up with something, but she says her hair and I'm like, oh, you do have beautiful hair. You're beautiful. And, and, and then he tells her to play the sunset. I mean, that's just so Yeah, beautiful. yeah. I have that quote right here. Let's, oh, that's let's, your quote. Let's yeah. uh, read that now. Let's so. zoom over to that. Let me ask you a question. What? When you look in the mirror, what do you like best about yourself? My hair. Why? Um, my father always says that it reminds him of the sunset. Play the sunset. I yeah. mean, how sweet is that? And and how like surprisingly in touch is this like middle-aged man who's saying this to you know, this young, impressionable person who he can tell probably has no self-confidence and, and she, you know, to build somebody's confidence based on what they believe is goodness in themselves and then to use that to help them to fight against something that they're insecure about or something that they're tense about. I just loved how he went about that. Yeah, throughout the movie, he, I mean, he learns to become more insightful mm-hmm. and he learns different techniques for helping these kids specifically mm-hmm. i mean that montage where he's teaching lewis how to play the drums oh is so my gosh awesome. <laughs> when he's, he's he's like literally grabbing his feet yeah. and uh, tapping Picking it kicking them up and down like <laughs> grabbing his hands and, and like putting it together <laughs> or he's banging on the he has the the lewis has the uh 
the football helmet on and he's hitting the helmet with the yes. with the mallet. And what about when they're dancing? It was so cute. <laughs> yeah, but like that wouldn't work for every student, right? No. And so he tailors that to them and like be, makes it his own and makes it their own. Yeah, it's a, it's powerful. It, it is. It just goes to show that each kid needs something different, but it takes so much time and it takes you believing in them and Oh, I just love that. Right. And it's not that he it comes easy for him no. at all. It takes him, you know, he's practicing with Gertrude, with Miss mm-hmm. Lang, mm-hmm. Uh, for hours and hours, days and days, right? And, totally. And she, she eventually gives up. Mm-hmm. And it's only then that he, like, tries a different tactic. So it was just, it was really just him believing that he could do it mm-hmm. and sticking to it. That right. That was the thing that made a difference. Like him believing in the student made him end up believing in himself and his own teaching it's, right. it's like they both you know that's right help each other <laughs> i love that yeah it's a um <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to see happen and it's just a um it, it's, it just shows you like you can how much you can achieve if you just stick to something right because totally. he wasn't and it's the beginning he's not a very good teacher he, the, the um <laughs> what's it the uh the gym teacher calls him a lousy teacher through yeah. his face yeah he's like if you can't teach him how to play an instrument then you're a lousy teacher uh-huh. and he's like he kind of takes that as a challenge in a way yeah it's um <laughs> yeah I, I think that's such a wonderful thing to take away from this movie yeah that's my favorite part okay uh, i got one more question for you jenny mm-hmm. what does this movie remind you of in your life or in other media um i thought that in general, it kind of overall speaks to how you have to teach the kids in engaging ways as the times change. So hmm. um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I enjoy the part where, and it reminds me of, um, when he's switching from playing all of the oldies piano classical music and they're like sleeping and snoring and yeah. snoozing and doing... <laughs> Really poor on the test. These Hi tests are pathetic. Yeah, these tests are pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed for you. You know, he just totally lays into him on it. But um, then you see him, and the whole time I'm going, they don't care about that. They don't care about that. Like, these are, they don't, they, they're not here to play piano. Like, but you see, you see how he changes towards playing records that they like and Rock and roll, the devil's music. The devil's music. The devil. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to my other favorite character later. <laughs> but um, I, I love that because I think it's um, such a true thing that I see a lot of people fighting um, yeah. these days with, with how to teach children in a way that's going to be effective and engaging. So, uh, Or, or te- how to teach anybody in a way that's effective and engaging, not just kids. But by the time, you know, as technology advances, I see people all the time just like, I saw it on Facebook this morning. Somebody said, I just think we need to get back to the textbooks and Mm -hmm. and the paper and put everything on paper. And it's like, (laughs) that's fine. But as the times change, you have to as well. And I thought that was um, really smart of him to do that. And you saw the effect on how the kids got... So much more engaged in it. They knew all the scales. They knew the minor chords. They knew all this stuff. They, you know, because right. he was telling it in a way to them that um, they could relate to. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think in, especially, you see this now, especially with, I mean, the coronavirus, you mm-hmm. know, and having all these teachers are being asked to do things differently than they've ever mm-hmm. done before. I've always thought that, like, being a teacher requires you to be so much more creative 
in the way you re like do your job just because it's always changing and you don't have a lot of resources to work with, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, it just goes back to like communication is a two way street, right? If, if I'm talking at you and you're not taking in anything mm -hmm. that I'm saying, then I'm still doing something wrong. It doesn't matter whether you're a good listener or not. I have right. to be able to talk to you in a, in a language that you understand. Right. Like you, everybody's had that teacher that just wanted to teach the way that they did in the seventies. Right. And, and it's so dreadfully boring and, right. you know, textbook, let's open up your textbook, like on, you know, the first day, but. And then you would have teachers that were like, take out your phone and, you know, use it to do this log thing. Log on to this online right. quiz we're going to do. What, what is that quiz, that thing that you I can do? <laughs> There's some online thing that you play like a quiz and it pops up on the screen and then everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm talking I'm about. It's like, a, it's like a poll, but it shows you like yeah, the real time Yeah, yeah. It was it's so called. fun and engaging. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the teachers who put in that extra time and then you're more interested in the material. So Yeah, that goes a long way, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, I had a teacher in college who would walk around the classroom and make sure people weren't on their phones and stuff, you know, <laughs> instead of like, as he was giving the lecture, he would walk around with his clicker and like up and down the aisles mm -hmm. and talk about it. And it was so, it was really engaging. You liked that. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it would kept, kept us like accountable, right? Because mm -hmm. we weren't, it would, it's so much harder to sit there on your phone when he's walking around looking at you. So much then, more work. Right. <laughs> to <laughs> then, not listen. But then um, the the way that he presented everything was all so relevant to what we were doing. And yeah. It made so much more made so much more sense and it was it was fun. Yeah. Um and I mean the class wasn't easy but it was it was I felt like I did so much better in that because I was so much more better engaged with it. Yeah. Because definitely. I felt like the teacher was meeting me at least halfway. Yeah. I think it's just like yeah, what you've done for the last ten years might might not work anymore or what i did last week sometimes doesn't work when i come into work the next day i'm like uh guess we can't do that today we're not really connecting with that and then you gotta scoop it up and throw it out the window and try something else but... which is why like a perspective like we've talked about with mr holland that he has is so important in that he's willing to change and willing to try something else yeah. you know and the only thing the, the only thing that's really consistent about him is that he sticks with it Mm -hmm. Right. He he changes his whole perspective by the end of the movie. Yeah. And I think that's um, I think it's like a really valuable lesson to learn. OK, I got some some stuff I want to go through okay. and I'm hoping you can let me uh, give me what you think about this. Give me some insight, Jen. Oh, sure. All right. So as I said, when I was going over this movie in my head, there's so much it's so hard to come up with things I didn't like about it. I think there's so much that works. The gradual change in Mr. Holland's perspective and goals, the patient long arc that take that pays <laughs> off. It's long. It's it's just really really <laughs> wonderful. Uh, all that payoff at the in the last like five minutes of seeing all the all the oh, kids again. I know. <laughs> um, and as I was watching, I was looking for quotes to pull, but I just had to kind of stop because almost every quote leapt from the screen for I me. I know. It's also treasure. Yeah. It's all... like, oh, I want to take that quote <laughs> and just like stick it in my pocket, <laughs> put it on my Pinterest board, hang it up in my wall. Sorry. I'll let you finish. <laughs> no, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I was so impressed and I, I'm always like, like... I'm always looking for quotes that kind of give clues to characters' motivation mm -hmm. or like show a perspective change or are just kind of snappy and kind of interesting. Like, and like all moments. of the ones, there's mm -hmm. all these that, throughout this movie that are like that. So I was, yeah, I was really impressed with the way it was written. Um, I, I really like the rivalry slash friendship <laughs> he has with the gym teacher. I think the way you, you described it earlier where they're kind of working together, which is not something you usually see, was, is totally right. 
I think um, it's really special and interesting. And I really like his relationship with his son and the representation for the deaf community that's in this movie. Mm. It's a it's a really great twist for a music teacher to have a deaf child, but then to take that further and show the disconnect between Holland and who can't communicate with his boy and how he uses his work as distraction from his home life. It's so well woven together. Oh, I know. It's it's awesome. It's not just like a it's not episodic, you uh-huh. know. It, it, everything ties back together and it all weaves into this one story. And I, I okay, here's a, I actually really like the part with uh, Rowana. What's her name? Rowena. Rowena. <laughs> Rwanda. Rwanda. That's what I wrote in my notes. I'm totally wrong. That's the country, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rowena. Rowena. I think um, yeah. it, it, it's like some reference to a um. So you some kind of heroine. You in, actually in, looked it up, and it actually is like a Norse. She's like a Celtic goddess, okay. I believe. Okay. I could be wrong. Drop a comment below. You know. Yes. Leave us a comment if we've done. Send it us wrong. an email. Yeah. Call uh, us out on Rowena, us. but I'm pretty sure it's not Rwanda. <laughs> that is the location. All right. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the point of this is to make you really uncomfortable. Oh. And I think that they do it really well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important that they show Mr. Holland as imperfect um, and maybe not even as a good person. And it brings it just sh- brings him down to this human level and shows that he is weak. And it's so important for the ending of the story, too, which I will get to in a second. Okay. Um, Rowena, I think, is such an interesting character. She represents so much for me in this movie first she's kind of like a foil for uh holland's son cole oh and like that she is the thing that he wishes she that she is the thing that he wishes his son was oh my gosh right okay well i never thought about it like that because like honestly it's kind of paralleled with that right he's ignoring his family and he's spending all this time thinking about this girl right and And she's she's, like really talented and she's like you know, she's got, she's got all this beautiful talent and she's like a state has great stage presence and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he's just captivated by her yeah. and wants to help her grow and, and stuff. He's, it's, he's giving all that life advice that he would give to his own son. Right. But he feels like he can't connect to her. That is so true. I just couldn't get past the, the just like her looking at him. Like just, yeah. it was just too much, but no, that, that makes more sense that, right. that she foils coal it makes like it makes the whole relationship really complex i think what you just said because um she represents what might have been right mm-hmm. she represents a younger version of him mm-hmm. and what could still be because he, she's offering to like ruin she his wants life him to yeah she wants him <laughs> to drop everything and make the wrong choice right though. and so she's kind of like this current siren but also a reminder of old desires at the same time yeah and, and I don't it, fault her for that. She's right. just a kid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can definitely understand where she's coming from, but it's yeah. not, it's still really uncomfortable. And I think the reason why it feels so long is because it is so uncomfortable. It just sticks mm-hmm. for a while because mm-hmm. you can't get away from it. But that's intentional. So you're right. They do that well. Yeah. They do a really good job of making you feel comfortable there. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, because I was, when I was thinking about things I didn't like about this movie, I was like, well, obviously the whole Ruina thing. But then I was like, but no, because... I, I think I understand what the point of that was, and it's to make you feel like the, like make put him in that moral dilemma and mm-hmm. make him choose, right? Mm-hmm. And make you as the audience like you're scream not... at the TV. Yeah, like, you're like, stop it. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't do that. Please, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. But but you see him make that choice. And... Right. 
Yeah, so all of the squirming and like yeah. hand wringing and like the, the the like hiding behind my pillow on the couch, that's all on purpose. Yeah, you know? that's that's all the point. And then at the end when he he um, makes sure she has a place to stay, I was like, oh, right. And he has that really nice uncomfortable person. kiss on the cheek. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, what's well, <laughs> probably where all my <laughs> yeah. things were stemming from. <laughs> I th- so. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting part of the movie. I am glad that that was included. I think it was brave of them to put that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the ending is so beautiful and just and just stacked with payoff after payoff. And I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times already. Um, but, like, I think this is more than just a moment for you to reflect on great teachers you've had or even just teachers in general, but about how your life affects so many other people's lives. And you, I agree. And, like never get a chance to see that like Mr. Holland does, mm-hmm. right? Well, nobody does. Yeah, and that's... who would ever have a, a stadium full of people? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, they're all there and they all love him and everything. It's a, it's such a wonderful thing to experience, even vicariously. And <laughs> But it makes you think about your own life. And even if you aren't a teacher or something, there's still tons of people in your life that you meet and talk to, especially over 30 years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That, and you never know what you're going to say is going to affect somebody else, you know? Right. And how that's going to change their perspective on something. Yeah. There's a, those ripple effects are just endless. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say, like the butterfly effect. Right. You don't know, like, and you never know what you've said to somebody, like, and they can come back. Have you ever had somebody do that? Like, come back and say like, oh, you told me, like, I'll never forget, like, you told me this and you're like, I don't remember yeah. saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe, but not. Yeah. I don't know. I sometimes, I wish that happened more often. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes think that it will it happen. It will happen. I feel like I sometimes I say things and then, like, I think they're going to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I really gave them something to leave Honestly, with. Honestly, that's the point of this whole podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we appreciate your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the ending yeah. and, and that that perspective of like how his life affected so many other lives is way more powerful as if he's a flawed character. If mm-hmm. he was perfect in this shining star in his exactly. community and always did the right thing, then it would be like, Oh, well that's not for me. And this is something that happens. Right. Like I can't, people. I can't relate to him, right. but he's not, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he makes the wrong choice over and over. He's, he, he's somewhat of a jerk yeah, for, for a is. lot of it. <laughs> and, even at, no, definitely all the whole time. He's kind of <laughs> all the time. He's just got this like air about him. You're like, he's really just tired of what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and to see him break down with that and everything and that, that all those walls of collapse for him. Are uh-huh. So, so beautiful and touching. And, um, but yeah, it, it works so much better because he is just a normal person and because he has these flaws. It I makes so it agree so much more relatable. Yeah. I so agree with you. All right, Jen, do you want to move on to our cool Easter eggs? Oh, yeah. All right, hit me. Okay, so Anthony Natalie, who plays Cole at age 28, is actually a real hard of hearing actor. Really? Yes. Okay, so like the one that's in the final scene? Yes. Okay. So, like when he takes his dad's car and all that. Right, right, right. So, I think there's like three or four Coles in the Mm -hmm. movie. This is the last one, it has most of the speaking lines. You'll have to forgive me on this okay. as i'm not an avid movie watcher or actor knower <laughs> but is he is is anthony natalie like a famous actor not really okay. he's been in a few other things but um he started acting when he was pretty young actually like at, in uh when he was going in school he, he realized he wanted to be an actor so i guess 
does he have like speaking parts in other movies or there's or... A, a so let me pull up his imdb list one yeah let's quick, see and then i can i can show you i'm just like curious since he is a deaf actor and then i'm so yeah. he's in he was in jerry Maguire as a minor part oh. uh he was in a movie called date movie which is one of those like um you know like like a rom-com kind it's like one of those like tongue-in-cheek like weird like meta comedies oh. he plays a deaf guy in that one. Oh, okay and there's a uh, a movie called universal signs um where i think it's a, a some sort of a uh like deaf community movie well i think that's great because it gives that representation to the deaf community you Absolutely. know when they say like you know, even with people like on the spectrum that they give parts to and you have to play someone who's right. on the spectrum, you know, and, and people go, oh, wow, like he's an amazing actor. Like, that's true. But you could also give the part to somebody who's actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that in really? general because like I think there's because of what you just said, like there's an opportunity for people to play a part that is difficult because you're putting yourself in shoes that you normally wouldn't be. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about like star power, right? Mm -hmm. If you have somebody that's very famous doing a difficult role where you're playing someone who's on the spectrum or mm -hmm. like a paraplegic or something, mm -hmm. you're going to grab, you're going to have more people show up for that movie and see that perspective. That's true, but right? that's not the point of it. Okay. What do you mean? What's not the point of it? Well, it's, it's like, <laughs> It's the point that the movie. I, I guess if the move, the point is that the movie will make more money, like because the there's some famous is to person make, coming is to make money and win awards. Didn't we learn that in Jack Horseman? <laughs> yeah, yikes! <laughs> I see what you're saying. It will draw more people and bring more attention to the cause. Right. Yeah, but that's just not fair. You know, like. Yeah, but it's not somebody fair who has that disability should be able to well, bring that attention. It's just it's, it's, it's just as not fair as anybody else being able to play that part right yeah yeah you know and and i think there's opportunities for you to write stories where you have people that are disabled or deaf or anything else and um they be in the movie alongside somebody else who is famous right yeah. you could you could arrange that so that it works better yeah but i think that i think more eyes on the topic is more valuable in a way mm -hmm. and i I, but I do really like it when they have something like this. Yeah. Where it's it's just part of the story, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's a major plot point because he has to learn how to communicate and he yeah. ends up forget, like going through that whole apology, right? Uh, so, like, with Cole. Um, and I think that's really powerful. But it's also just, like, part of normal life, too. And to have someone who is deaf being playing that part makes a lot of sense in that situation. Definitely. So, I don't know. I guess... I, I don't fall on one way or the other, I guess, but yeah. I'm, that's just what There's I think. There's pros and cons. All right. Do you got any, you got any cool Easter eggs, Jen? Oh, okay. So I found out that um, there's actually a Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation. Really? Uh-huh. Um, and, and they're all about giving musical instruments to disadvantaged children. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And Where like, do you... I guess Keith Urban, like, heads up oh. a lot of it. Yeah. Like... I don't know. I don't know where he is, but there's this whole foundation where you can donate, and I guess they hold events and things. So, I mean, I don't know how much you know about it, but it's like a national thing. Yeah. So it says that um, Michael Kamen, who I guess wrote the whole score for the movie, he started the foundation in oh. 1996. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Like it was inspired by the film, which is also my other another Easter egg. Is I guess it was 
inspired by like Mr. Holland's a real dude. Oh, really? Yeah. Like this is all based on a true story. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't so, say that in the credits or anything. Yeah, I looked it up. It <laughs> says it's based on a true story. So um it says by increasing the school's inventory of quality playable instruments, music teachers are given the tools they need to deliver quality music education to students who want to learn. It's very, very sweet. That's awesome. Let me see. Um I'm trying to see. Uh it's their their office is in California. So Okay. It's a national organization, a five oh one C. That's very cool, Jenny. Yeah. I, I just love that. There's all kinds of pictures of cute children with clarinets <laughs> that probably squeak like Miss Lang. <laughs> I just love that. Oh, this is sad, though. It says Michael, um, the, the composer, the composer. Yeah, he didn't live long enough to see the full results of his dream. But his legacy will deepen each time a child has opportunity to play music through our work. Very that's so, sweet. That's so cool. I love that. I love that when a movie like this inspires like real action. Yeah. That's really cool. It really makes you think about the purpose of all this. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. So you can grant, you can do an instrument grant. Oh, you can donate your own instruments. Yeah. It's so sweet. That's awesome. I love that. So that's, that's one. And then also I just, I don't even know if this is an Easter egg actually. Say it anyway. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, in the hospital, when Mr. Holland is mouthing and signaling oh, yeah. to the nurse about his baby, it's like a cool foreshadowing that they've added into the movie. Oh, my gosh. Considering he's only able to communicate with Cole through gestures and you Play know, the, uh, the mind-exploding. Uh, <laughs> or like, <laughs> have you seen that Netflix show that's like Unsolved Mysteries? <laughs> no, what is that about? Uh, unsolved Mysteries. Oh. <laughs> Mysteries that are unsolved. Can I spell it out any other way? <laughs> Sorry, everyone's gonna think I'm just so mean to you. That's not true. It, it is a little bit, but <laughs> you could play that music. I'll play it for you later. We could maybe insert oh, it here. Oh, like the, it's uh, like kind of like Twilight Zoney. Gotcha, gotcha. Anyways, so it's it's very much a cool foreshadow thing that I yeah I, I definitely pieced would together. That. Yeah, that's very cool. I like it's that. Very a lot. cool. All right, let's move on to our quotes. All right. Um, I'm going to go first with mine, and then we'll go to Jenny. Okay, sounds good. All right. I'm going to start with this one. Don't you see? You can be writing great music. This is Rowena talking to Mr. Holland, uh, talking about the, uh, the opportunity that she is offering him to go to New York with her. This is kind of like that draw that, that she provides right this is the the uh what she represents to him which is that he could be playing he could be writing great music which is what he's always wanted right mm -hmm. and to me like that that those that choice of words is very specific uh for mr holland to like really show you the audience that like what is at stake here and what he's choosing between mm -hmm. um yeah i i think that's really i don't know i really do like the dialogue in this movie yeah me too I like that. Yeah, it just kind of summarizes up that choice and that kind of, I don't know, breaking point. Not yeah. breaking point. Uh, it's a dilemma. How would I say? Yeah, the dilemma, like it comes to a boiling point almost. Right. Okay, I got the next one too. You know, I'm not as popular as you, 
I'm not anybody's favorite anything. That's because you're the enemy, Gene. You just don't know it. I care about these kids just as much as you do. And if I'm forced to choose between Mozart and reading and writing and long division, I choose long division. Well, I guess you can cut the arts as much as you want, Gene. Sooner or later, these kids aren't going to have anything to read or write about. Hmm. So, I, I, I mean, well, Gene uh, in this movie, played by William H. Macy, he's kind of the villain. There's not really a villain, but he's kind of the villain. Yeah. Um, and at this point, Mr. Holland has been into forced into retirement. Um, and they're going to cut the music program altogether because the school doesn't have enough money. Um, and then soon after this, he's arguing with the board about what needs to be done and you know what a mistake it is and everything. Um, but it's, I think this is interesting, uh, the way he frames this, that like uh, the arts is just as important as math and writing and reading and all that. I think that's probably something that you agree with. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But <laughs> I think... I, I had this perspective ever since we watched School of Rock for the podcast mm. about how, like, what is the purpose of school? Yeah. And, like, what is the, like, what exactly should we be getting out of it, right? Is it, like, just teaching you how to think? If it's if it's that, then really whatever tool you is most effective should be the tool you use. Exactly. Music or math or whatever. Or are these fundamental skills that everyone has to learn in order to advance through life? Right. Well, what defines a fundamental skill? Right. Like uh, fundamental means essential almost, right? Like the very basics. We've had this argument before, but like what about spelling or like knowing how to do arithmetic, you know? Uh Like I told you that I don't need to know how to spell because I have spell check on everything I use. Right. And you're like, well, I just need to, I just have a calculator. So I don't actually have to know how to do math. Exactly. Because uh, I'm a dance teacher and you're an engineer. So you do the math and, well, I don't do anything except count up to eight. <laughs> a five, six, seven, eight. But, but I mean, it, I feel like those are good points, right? Yeah. Like, are those fundamental skills? It feels like they are, but maybe yeah. that's just because we've been conditioned to think that. Yeah. I saw this um, quote this morning, actually, you know, everything's circulating around with COVID and parents are being forced to homeschool and people are talking about it. Somebody said, if I had a kid that was good at tennis and was poor at math, most parents would say, let's get you a math tutor. But some would say, no, we should get you a tennis coach. Mm. Kind of. <laughs> it's interesting. Combat your quote with a quote. <laughs> Everybody's quoted out. <laughs> um, but, what, do you, but what do you think about that? I don't know. I was very struck with, um, Kind of like, oh my gosh, like I don't know what to think about that because, I mean, I think it goes back to the math being fundamental. I think most people would look at tennis as a non. I think it's we. I think it's dangerous to like put so much stock in a sport. You know. Yeah, that's true. Because like anything could happen to you. I think the point though is that you're supposed to lean into your child's strengths. Right. So do we? Should we focus more on our strengths and put our eggs in one basket or like you're saying like should the child be well-rounded right good at tennis and pretty good at math because i got him a tutor it's a strange thing i know i i kind of lean toward the more well-rounded section because i'm still like there's so many things i have so many interests in so many different topics you know yeah i do too but i i wonder sometimes if that's just how we've been raised Mm -hmm. because if if you're gonna go on to be like 
gosh, who are those tennis players? <laughs> a tennis player. Serena Williams? You know, that famous sports person. <laughs> yeah, well, Serena Williams. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to go on to be her, then, well, dang, Maybe or Matthew Simone Biles at gymnastics. Right. Well, what's the point in Simone Biles knowing long division? Well, it could offer her some better mental health, actually. <laughs> Because, you know, like you don't want it doing one thing all the time, that being forced into you just because you're good at something. I think that's a conversation to have with your kids, maybe. Probably. I don't know. It's hard. It is hard. It's hard to know what the right choice there is. Yeah, we're not even parents, so we don't know. (laughs) But like looking at my own life, you know, there. I I mean, I'm glad that I, I had to have math tutors and things like that. Chemistry tutors and. Right. And like, I guess like that helped you advance toward you know other things that were tangentially related to what you wanted, yeah right yeah like college yeah huh. and you, like you wouldn't have the opportunities you had if you hadn't gone to college and you wouldn't be able to do that if you didn't know math exactly so, so it's but, like, all sort of related is but, that right. really right i don't know gotta meet in the middle i guess kind of <laughs> i but i like i disagree with what gene is saying i mean a life without music or arts or anything is such a a poor way to live your life you know yeah. you're you're taking all the color out of it and yeah. you're not applying what you've learned in those spaces. You know? What do you do when you're done at the end of the day? You go home right. and you consume your art. Right. Whether that's TV or going to the art museum or whatever yeah. you do. Those are the only two options. <laughs> TV or art museum. All right, let's go to our next one. Mr. Holland had a profound influence on my life, on a lot of lives I know. And yet I get the feeling that he considers a great part of his own life misspent. Rumor had it he was always working on this symphony of his, and this was going to make him famous, rich, probably both. But Mr. Holland isn't rich, and he isn't famous, at least not outside of our little town. So it might be easy for him to think himself a failure. And he would be wrong, because I think he's achieved a success far beyond riches and fame. Look around you. There is not a life in this room that you have not touched. And each one of us is a better person because of you. We are your symphony, Mr. Holland. We are the melodies and the notes of your opus. And we are the music of your life. <laughs> I'm so proud I made it, made it through that without crying. You did? I did not. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, when I watched oh, it, I when you said it. When I was saying it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, this is a really, really powerful quote. And obviously, like, uh, when you were telling me about this movie, I joked to you that the real Mr. Holland's opus was the friends he made along the way. Yeah, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but I mean, it's true in this moment, yeah. too. And I really love the way the imagery she uses here where she says that we are your symphony. We are the melodies and notes of your opus. How sweet. Awesome. It's <laughs> just I know <laughs> you get choked up. I know it's so easy to. I mean, it's so, so impactful. Yeah. You imagine that like all those little voices and hearts are, are the, the thing he's worked towards and they they create they they represent this community of of people that's been so blessed to be able to have him in their lives like how sweet right 
I think that ties nicely into our next quote, actually. Yeah. Mrs. Jacobs, I get here on time every morning, don't I? I'm doing my job the best I can. A teacher has two jobs. Fill young minds with knowledge, yes. But more important, give those minds a compass so that that knowledge doesn't go to waste. Now, I don't know what you're doing with the knowledge, Mr. Holland, but as a compass, you're stuck. I just love this quote. <laughs> it's, so, it's so important um, to, to educate kids with whatever your curriculum is, but uh, when she says that you have to give the minds a compass, it's just so, so important. Yeah. <laughs> you have those teachers that teach you more about life and, and what you can do with the things that you learn. It's, that's, the, that's the important part. That's where people fail. Yeah, this is a great quote. And it's a little bit of a turning point for Mr. Holland, too. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the imagery of the compass that comes back when uh, Mrs. Jacobs retires. Oh, yeah. She gives him the compass. Oh. Um, as a reminder of what he needs to That's so sweet. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's, that's really great. And I think it, it makes sense to the end of the movie, too, right? Giving these people direction yeah. is really the teacher's job, more so than just teaching them what you're there to teach them. Totally. I love that. And yeah, the compass, everything just ties so It does. Nicely it's really together. well written movie. <laughs> You've said that. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about the next one? Oh, I really like this quote. I just, <laughs> I feel so silly. Um, when he says having a baby and he's speaking with his wife, he says, Let me tell you a story, okay? When I was 15 years old, I used to hang out at a local record store. And there was this guy who worked there who, you know, thought he knew what I liked, and he handed me this album one day, and it was John Coltrane. So I took it home, and I put it on the machine. And I hated it. I mean, I really hated it. I just didn't get it. So I... I played it again. I played it again, and I played it again, and then I just couldn't stop playing it. I kept listening to those notes, and I realized that that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Tell me that we're going to have a baby. Well, that's like falling in love with John Coltrane all over again. That is a lie. That is the sweetest lie I ever heard. I just love that. I, I think I love that more because it says so much about his character and how he's, you know, in the past, he, he, he went home and listened to that record and he hated it. And right. 
which is an experience I think most people can <laughs> attest to that they've had to and you listen to something and, and then you grow to love it and that's just kind of part of life you, yeah you, you yeah, get thrown into these things yeah I think it's 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 kind of a funny quote because he's such a he's so obsessed with music yeah <laughs> like everything he does reminds him of music I know and then they <laughs> name their son Colt yeah. I know <laughs> And you're like, oh, uh, that's so sweet, but also it's a little much. Is that better or worse than uh, Rowena? Uh, you mean Rwanda? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's about sorry. it's about the same. <laughs> but that's also um, kind of like that whole concept has proved to be true in his life because that's how he was with teaching too. Right. He goes into it and he hates it so much, and then. Um, you know, ends up getting so attached to it. He says at the end of the movie, a quote that I didn't have um, written down, but he says this was, you know, I, I hated this so much. He says that in a way. I'm not saying it directly, but um, now then it, it grew on me and that's all I wanted to do. And yeah. then it was taken away from him. So, yeah, I just I just think that that's so sweet. <laughs> when is. he said that to his wife, I was like, you better get back in that room and be nice to her. She's going to have a baby. <laughs> All right, I got one more quote, Jen. Before you cross the street, please take my hand. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. You oh my gosh, I've had this in my head all morning. The song. What song? That's from the song that he sang to Cole. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. It's been in my head all morning. I that's probably my favorite part of the whole movie. It's a really wonderful part. I just cried so much. <laughs> you can everybody can take a shot every time they hear me say I cried. I cried so much. <laughs> yep. That's, I'm just a big pile of feelings, especially during this, but in general also. Um, yeah, I. I I love that. So that song was originally um, written by John Lennon to his own son. Um, and, and in the beginning, they it talks about, you know, the monster's gone, you know, that he's had a, a nightmare. And then um, and he's speaking about how his son will grow up to do great things, but he loves him no matter what. And uh, Yeah, the life is what happens to you when you're busy making plans is such a great way to sum up what happens to him you know he spends his whole life you know hoping to have this one thing happen and then along the way i mean yeah I th he I has think that's his whole how, life yeah i think that's how life is one day you wake up and you're like man i couldn't have planned this if i tried <laughs> <laughs> or might not necessarily been the path that you would have taken but that's kind of the beauty of all of this yeah i've i've often thought about like happiness and what happiness like what happiness is to me happiness is like a direction mm -hmm. more so than it is a end point mm -hmm. it's striving towards something constantly yeah. um yeah. and not arrive you don't ever arrive at happiness you're always reaching for it yeah. and that reaching is what happiness is mm -hmm. and i think that ties in here too right it's really the journey it's not about the destination it's about that's right. <laughs> I think this is a beautiful quote, and I think it ties really well into the theme of this movie. Yeah. So. I mean, like, uh, some of our best memories and things have come from 
Oh, yeah. When our plans have gone awry or... That's always where the stories come from, yeah. right? It's when things don't go right. Yeah, it's almost comforting now, especially during these times with, with the coronavirus, to think about, well, at least this will be a story that I'll tell one day. Yeah. This and all crazy the, all time. The crazy stuff that went yeah. on and everything. It kind, of, it kind of inspires you to lean into it more. Just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, let's just right. you know, take it, it for what it is. And... You're, you know, you're part of history right now. Mm-hmm. You could make that a thing that you care about right like like life is happening and <laughs> unfortunately things right are always we're, in we're our making control. plans for when it's over <laughs> right but in the meantime in the meantime we'll see what happens life and, is and still happening. yeah and those are hopefully good memories for people right okay uh let's move on to our next section mm-hmm. our fi- our final discussion of the movie uh which is where we're gonna go a little deeper Okay, so I guess I'll start us off. Okay. Um, we sort of have already covered this a little bit, but I just wanted to kind of talk to you about um, if you take away the arts, what do we have to read and write about, Joe? <laughs> uh, statistics. Statistics. <laughs> Studies. I don't know. Facts. <laughs> facts and, uh, yeah, just, I have a little book of science facts. We could read that. That's true. You also have a book of sleep. North Carolina facts, too. Yeah, North weird stuff about North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, reptile facts. You shark like dinosaurs. Facts. Yeah. Dragons. Could we talk about dragons? Um, would, but would there be dragons if there wasn't any stories, Jen? Oh, gosh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Joey hitting me with the hard facts and the hard questions today. Yeah, but um, I, th- I think that so much of life is us enjoying things that other people have created. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, great. I mean, we've we talked about it a little bit in your Easter egg section, mm-hmm. right? But like, I I believe that great art inspires other art, and so this movie kind of inspired like this, you know, progress like this action toward helping the less fortunate. Mm-hmm. But in general, like seeing something like this like makes people want to be teachers or want to pursue their own dreams yeah. or whatever. So I think that's. Um, I, I think that's a sign of something that's really special. And you don't, I mean, it has to come from somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. you're almost always inspired by something else. Yeah. I yeah. remember, this is going to be a really weird tangent, but. That's all right. I was watching this video by a, guy, a YouTuber named Tom Scott. He does all these kind of theoretical science videos. And he <laughs> he made one that was like a, a fake ad for a um, afterlife like simulation. Ooh, where, spooky. Like, so when you die, you're brain gets uploaded to a computer oh, gosh. and then you like live in this simulation right okay and the, the ad says for our, like for our premium users um we will allow you to keep like your memories of copyrighted materials but it like if you don't pay the extra fee or you can't afford it then all of the c- stuff in your head that's like copyrighted will be erased oh gosh yeah it's spooky and what are you left with <laughs> right you like how much of your personality is built on revelations you've had from watching a movie or listening to a song yeah you know yeah and like who are you if you don't have those things anymore it seems weird to think of yourself as like a combination of other people's work but i think that's such a i think that's true though yeah and so much of what you learn is from looking at other people making mistakes or right right in history we learn about everybody's what what other people did before us in movies we look at the main characters and what they did and how they had to dig themselves out and right yeah it's weird to think about it like that but yeah 
I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'd be left with. <laughs> I don't know either. I feel like half my personality is movies. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. Just for the record, <laughs> movie quotes, just like my dad. <laughs> you and my dad with the movie quotes. All right. You got another one, Jen? Um, yeah. Okay. So another question. Okay. You ready? Yep. All right. Would you rather be <laughs> famous and rich or to have your own symphony of people? Oh, gosh, that's such a hard question. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's such a hard question. I think a lot about legacy. And I think this movie kind of brings up an interesting perspective on that, right? Um, because he doesn't achieve that, what he thought would be his legacy, but right. in a way he achieves something which the movie claims is even greater, right? Um, I don't know. It's so hard to say, like, which one is more important. I mean, very few of us are ever going to go through an experience like Mr. Holland did where he gets to see all of that in front of him, right? Instead, that's all going to be in your head about what you've accomplished or whatever. It reminds me a little bit of this documentary um, where I can't remember what it's called or the name of the person, but basically it's about this guy who was a singer and he like, was a singer for a really long time and he tried all these things and it never worked out. And then one, like, one year or something, he gets invited to go to, I think, South Africa and he finds out he's like a huge star there and never knew. What? Yeah. And there's all these people like recognize him and everyone loves him. Oh, and wow. Stuff. So he's suddenly thrust into this life. Right. But like he had worked so hard at trying to achieve that in his own country. And uh -huh. it wasn't until he went somewhere else that he realized that he had, he had made it. It was interesting. That is cool. So it makes you wonder about, I think that's kind of an extreme example of what we see in this movie. Yeah. You know, where the, the influence you have on other people's lives would, can have such like big, profound impacts. So it's it's so hard to say which one would actually be more valuable because you would never actually see that symphony of people. Yeah. You know? And and would it be necessarily selfish to to want to I, I mean, if you take away I, I know I said famous and rich, but if you look at it as like would would he be considered selfish for wanting to follow his own dreams of, of writing successful music, not necessarily for the fame or riches. Like, right. would he be selfish for doing that? I don't think so necessarily. I don't know. It's hard when you put it right that when you, when you see everything in hindsight, it yeah. makes it seem that way, but obviously in the moment you don't know. Sure. Like, and that's, that's kind of the point of your, of the movie is, is that, that impacting people along the way and has a, has a much more, you know, rewarding payoff but right. I, I don't know like if you'd seen him the other way around yeah but I, again like he i don't know he, he makes all these decisions throughout right where he's he's so obsessed with his work and then he's ignoring his family but then that yeah. kind of turns around yeah you know so it's like he didn't really want that right anyway. i don't know I, I there was that moment there's that one shot where he's like playing with cole and they kind of like pan over to where he's the symphony is sitting there on his on his uh, piano, yeah. not being written at that moment, yeah. right? And kind of hinting that he's kind of forgotten or not a priority anymore. Pushed to the side. Right. Um, and I think I, I thought that was a powerful moment, right? It seemed like he was more invested in the world around him at that point yeah. than he was about with himself. And I personally love that. Yeah. That's just for me, but... I don't know, because like, like you said, if you created something 
truly wonderful, mm -hmm. regardless of the fame or riches, wouldn't you also create this symphony of people? Right, you would. Like you know? well, people who would possibly be moved to tears as they're at your symphony, right. you know, sitting in the seats. And like, be inspired to make their own. Of course. You know? So I, I, yeah, I sort of, when I think about that question, I don't necessarily think that one is is correct over the other right. because we need we need people who make beautiful symphonies they inspire others as well so we also need mr holland it, exactly we need it we need it all i think it just goes to show like whatever you feel drawn to or whatever grows to be so important to you you have to listen to that voice and you have to find it and go do that because what like what what we all need is for, for anybody to be passionate about what they do and to 100% like believe in that. But I think it's hard because if you look like he, it grew on him gradually over time. So how are you ever supposed to know? Yeah. It's hard. It's kind of. <laughs> That's a good one, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know, but you have to just kind of go with your gut and the best that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I got one more thing to talk about. This is pretty brief, um, but I want to talk about a little bit of the history of ASL, American Sign Language. I pulled this quote from Wikipedia. Um, it says, up to the 1950s, the predominant method of deaf education was oralism, acquiring oral language comprehension and production. Linguists did not consider sign language to be true, quote unquote, language, but as something inferior. Recognition of the legitimacy of ASL was achieved by William Stokoe, a linguist, and he was aided by the uh, civil rights movement in the 1960s, and Stokoe uh, argued for manualism, the use of sign language in deaf education. Stokoe noted that sign language shares important features with oral languages um, and have the means of communication and even uh, devised a transcription language for ASL. In doing so, Stokoe uh, revolutionized both deaf education and linguistics. So just like we saw in the movie, uh, where uh, we, they went to that doctor and he said, don't don't gesture to him, right? Oh. That's going to make him dumb, yeah. right? Um, and Holland believed that. And then, of course, his wife, Iris, is really frustrated with him yeah. and wants to and knows about that there's this thing out there that they could teach because ASL has existed since the, eight, the 19th century, like 1817 almost. Oh, wow. Um, but it was it was not a true language and it was discouraged from being taught it wasn't mm -hmm. until the civil rights movement that that actually changed around that's so cool yeah right now um there's i, I put it in, in quotes speakers because they don't technically speak the language right but uh users between, or... yeah yeah users is a good way to put it um 250 to 500,000 people in the u.s that uh use asl okay uh, which is not too many and it's been falsely attributed as being one of the more popular languages but it's just a popular it's a it's a language that requires people to have um a translator in court which is why it's sometimes seen as more prominent than it is necessarily so it's, oh. a, it's not that common of a thing okay um but just like any other language it grows and changes and a lot of asl is actually developed in deaf schools and so the some of the schools actually have their own dialects that okay. kind of conflict with each other and oh wow it grows and changes that way oh wow that's it's, hard to yeah keep track of but but in the same way that any kind any, of any that does. says y'all or you guys you right know? right well it, i think it's part of it, it part of the problem is that there is a transcription but things aren't written in sign language i see you know so like if someone's telling someone something in sign language they are you know using the whatever flavor they have at their 
uh, that's available. Whereas everybody reads the same books in school. Sure. You know? Sure. So. That's hard. Uh, yeah. That's very interesting, though. It is interesting. I, I'm, I'm trying to think, recall, like, the sign language users that I've seen. I actually was driving back from your house the other day, and I saw this lady. She was FaceTiming as she was walking down the street, and she was signing. Really? Yeah, it was very cool. I was like, oh. Um, I don't, I, yeah, they say that in the movie that it's hard to learn, right? So you're supposed to do it for like three months. Well, they say like you you have to, like any language, you have to immerse yourself in it for the best results, I guess. Yeah, it does serve, it is useful that he doesn't know how to say he doesn't know how to speak it or like or sign yeah because then his wife is translating what's happening right <laughs> so right you the audience know what's <laughs> happening know. yeah you're like uh iris can you can you <laughs> can help, help a girl out <laughs> help a girl out iris <laughs> so on your subtitles did it translate what they were signing no just what she was saying okay cool um i was wondering about that because he every, because whenever holland actually signs he speaks out loud too he but, got better though yeah once he cared, right? Mm-hmm. Once he realized that his son was there and could and could see and was a real person, you know, right? Yeah. How it, frustrating to look across from somebody that you love and and have them be going at you, like, and like, not being able to hear what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. To like be signing so excitedly and quickly, and you're like, and you have to tell them slow down. Like, how sad is that? Like that kills a moment. Like it's like the equivalent of if I was telling you a story, I'm like. And you're like, oh, uh, slow down, Jenny. And right. You're like, oh, you're like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Right? Like, but it's not you. It's me. I can't. Yeah. I'm not listening correctly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Crazy. It is. But. I do really like that aspect of the movie. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's move on to our ratings. Jen, do you want to go first? Oh yeah, I'm gonna go first. Okay. I rate Mr. Holland's Opus a ten out of ten out of time steps. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give this movie working with the same people for 30 years. <laughs> what? Because. Well, oh, no, I kidding. It's a ding dong. All right. Anyway. <laughs> I love it. So I that concludes it. our uh, conversation about Mr. Holland's opus. Oh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. I Jen. love affable chat and I've been so excited and nervous to come well, on. Well, you did a great job, so. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Yeah. Um, I'll, let me run through the rest of this. So uh, what movie we're doing next is Big Fish. It'll be me and Benjamin again. That will be coming out soon. Um, and don't forget that this podcast you're listening to right now, you can find it in other places. We have it on iTunes. We have it on the uh, not, not the Google Play store anymore because that's disappeared. But oh. Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, anywhere you can find podcasts, that's where you are. And wherever you listen to us, make sure you leave us a review. It really does help us grow. We also have a Twitter, an Instagram, and a TikTok. All of them are at Affable Chat. I really recommend the TikTok. <laughs> Ben's been killing it on the TikTok. Sounds good. No, uh, it's pretty, been pretty fun. It looks good, like. Good. <laughs> good stuff. Um, we also have an email address. You can send us an email if you'd like. That email address is affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel where we post YouTube videos, and sometimes podcasts as well. Um, And Affable Chat is also live on Twitch on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. Mm. Uh, So check us out there. Benjamin has been playing Skate 3 recently, but probably even more things. Wow, you guys are everywhere. That's right. We're everywhere. Can't get away from us. (laughs) Try and get away. We'll we'll follow you. (laughs) You should follow us, Yeah, actually. Uh, (laughs) It can be mutual. Yes, please. (laughs) 
Anyway, thank you again, Jenny, for being here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening.